Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to the Oral Health Podcast. So after talking to Martha yesterday, um, we're now going to spend the next two episodes talking to people that have lived experience of eating disorders and discussing with them how their eating disorders impacted their oral health and vice versa. So today's episode, I'm talking to Tina. Now, Tina's a mother of four and she was diagnosed with anorexia early on in life and is now well into recovery. But she spends a lot of time working with people who um, are in healthcare and being a patient representative um, to tell people exactly how they can help people with eating disorders. And she understandably had an awful lot of insight to share and I really hope that you enjoy the conversation and take as much out of it as I did. Thank you for sitting and having a chat with me. Do you want to give a little introduction to yourself? Um, Just a little bit of information about you? Yeah, so my name's Tina and I'm a mom of four grown-up children now and I struggled most of my teenage life and a lot of my adult life with anorexia, eating disorders and obsessional exercising behaviours. Um, I've since, I'm now full, I'm fully recovered, I can, I can stand and say finally. I have written about it in a book as well to help other people and I now train um, people in mental health and eating disorders across the world actually. So yeah, and I also work in an educational establishment supporting students who are struggling. So, yeah, I'm, uh, every day to me is, is uh, such a privilege to be able to help other people with what they're going through. So, yeah, so this is all very important to me. That's amazing. Sounds like you've got your hands full as well. And I love every second of it, Sophie. I'm such, so privileged, honestly, I really am. That's amazing. Yeah. So just to... Um give a little bit of background so national smile month this year we are focusing a lot of our time on nutrition and diet and how the things that we eat can affect uh, our mouths because we are spending so much time focusing on that we also wanted to speak to people who have had experience with eating disorders so that we are not excluding a huge you know group of people that this advice can be beneficial to as well as we want to try and help dentists approach the topic of eating disorders um, with a little bit of sensitivity and feeling like they can go into the conversation knowing how to approach it. Um, So if you're okay to can you just 
tell me a little bit about how your experience with anorexia has affected your dental health and your oral health. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's a very complicated picture because our oral health outcome as we, as we get older, it's obviously changing all the time, but a lot of our whole life up to that point is impacted on our oral health. So if you've brought up in an area with fluoride, fluorination, no fluorination, you know, how your oral health was at home, what your education was around these things, if you were involved in the child smile at school, like there's lots of things that impact it. However, at a certain age, I was able to, I was addicted and lived only on diet Coke and diet Pepsi and all these kind of diet products with zero sugar. And I used to drink and drink and drink all those. And I know I knew that I could see the impact it was having on my teeth over time. And I was eventually um, hospitalized into a psychiatric ward as a teenager. And I had a lot of health issues with my teeth at that point as well, because I was being sick often. I was eating a lot of laxatives and like chewing these laxatives and things. So I was neglecting that side of my oral health. Although I was still brushing, I was acutely aware that things were changing in my mouth. So whilst in the hospital, they actually had a dental unit in the hospital and I'd have to get fillings and so on whilst I was in that, in that hospital. Um, so I was quite lucky in that sense. However, through the whole time, I didn't really care whether my teeth eroded and what happened to them because I always thought the dentist will fix it or somebody will fix it later on. So as the years have gone on, things have just got worse. And when I started to eat, I started to eat things that were very high in sugar and, you know, take things like that. So that then had a bigger impact as well. All the sugar things I was taking and going back into normal eating, for me, it had, it had that impact. So my teeth were always being attacked. So now the, the legacy of all of that, even though, believe it or not, I wanted to be a dentist when I was younger. So I was acutely aware of oral health and hygiene. I've always brushed and flossed, always looked after my teeth. You cannot um, mitigate against bad diet for me and the way I neglected my teeth with just brushing them every two, three times a day. It, has, it hasn't stopped the impact. Um, so now I'm in a position where I, I'm about to have several more teeth taken out. I've, had, I've lost a few already. They've been capped in the past and with crowns, but they have just eroded as well because they don't last forever. So now I'm left with either getting implants or dentures, you know, as in a plate going forward. So it does have a, an impact orally and it does affect everything about you, like your ability to smile. I have no confidence with my teeth. I haven't done for many years um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's awful. I just now look at and I now look at people, and all I think is, gosh, I wish I had teeth like them. I wish I had natural teeth in my mouth. You know, well, that photo of me is when I had all my teeth. You know, it's it's very much an obsession now. So yeah, it's this um, it's really heartbreaking when you know I know what people have gone through with eating disorders and so on, and the impact it has had on teeth. So it's so good that these things are being heightened and, and awareness being raised because it's a very important topic and subject. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. 
when you were uh, in the inpatient facility and when you were um, suffering most with the anorexia, how did you find that the eating disorder impacted how you took care of your mouth or did it impact how you took care of your mouth? Because I know you said you were brushing and flossing regularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I was, I was, as I say, I was always very aware of looking after my teeth, but so it didn't I didn't neglect those but what I did do was part of that part of my anorexia experience was regression I wanted to go back to a time where my life was was simple and you know trauma free so I would use baby toothbrushes and get you know um like baby toothpaste and things like that so I probably wasn't using the right fluoridation and things like that at the time also they were, I developed um, lots of infections in my mouth, as in my tongue was black often. So they would give me these lozenges to try and help that. But because I was so obsessed by calorific values, I refused to take the lozenges and so on. Um, a lot of dehydration, a lot of malnutrition has an effect. I was very aware of it on my tongue, my breath. Um, I developed some abscesses in my gum. You know, these things were ongoing. And I knew exactly why, but I suppose, although I was brushing, it was like, it felt almost futile, but I did it because I knew it was the right thing to do. But I knew very well the impact it was having on my Mm -hmm. mouth. But to me, the anorexia was more important than, than, you know, really caring about the long-term impact on what was, what I was doing to myself Mm -hmm. that way, that way. When you went to have dental visits and dental checks um, whilst you were suffering with your eating disorder, how did you find the dental visits um, and the the experience of going to see the dentist? And were they generally understanding or how did they make you feel about the state of your mouth? Do you know what? This is really interesting for me now. Why I do a lot. I've been 11 years now as a patient representative on clinical trials, um, especially for pediatric clinical trials. Because to me, not one dentist ever said a word to me, even though I was there all the time, you know, growing up. I had, right up until recently, not one dentist said anything to me. It wasn't until this past year, I got a scan of my whole mouth by this, this dental practice. And the, the, the dentist sat me down and says, we need to speak about your, the pattern in your mouth. And I have some, some um, concerns do you have an eating disorder? And I said, you know what? In all these years, you're the first dentist to ever ask me that question. I says, however, yes, I did. I've been in recovery now for many years, but it's so sad that you are the first one to ever, ever ask me that question. So no, no one's ever said anything, but they must have known because it literally is a, a view into the into what's going on health-wise. They, someone must have spotted or seen or or even seen signs and, and symptoms that were going on, me generally, physically, mentally, and all sorts of things. But not one person ever said anything. And it's such a shame because it's a great opportunity for that conversation. Mm-hmm. Somebody could have noticed and maybe helped me a little bit by you know being called out sort of thing, but no one ever did. So no, it's not until now that someone's actually finally asked me that question, which is really quite sad. <laughs> 
It's really interesting as well is that, yeah, that's such a recent conversation. But why do you think that is? Do you think there was a reason behind why maybe they didn't? I did a a talk at um, a big conference that was in my local town through the the British Dental Association. And and, uh, during the kind of lunch break, we were able to go and speak to lots of different dentists. And they were saying that historically they have been a little bit nervous to ask the question because they didn't have enough information to deal with an answer that came and plus the time you know if you've got a 10 minute checkup where you know someone starts saying well actually yeah and you you've got 10 you know 10 patients away to come in the next couple of hours it's so difficult I mean it's hard enough for a GP and they only get a couple of hours training in medicine so I don't know I suspect there's even less with the eating disorder when you do your, your dentistry so I think a lot of it is that it's just that fear because it is a very complicated picture and if you it's like all mental health conditions actually people have been scared to ask a question because they really don't feel empowered enough to deal with an answer that may take them longer than a few minutes or they feel it's a lifelong commitment or whatever whatever their fears and stigmas are I think a lot of it's to do with that sadly but I think we're getting better and I'm hoping that um, I'm trying to push for some research actually to be done into the impact on eating disorders with oral health and why oral health versus mental health for example oral health you go every six months usually not in COVID times of course but usually you, you would be called and if you don't come you know you get a warning and you get into trouble and it's one of those appointments you never miss and yet mental health no one ever no one ever gives you a call about that. No one ever says that you need to speak to someone about this every six months. And it's, to me, it's all part of the same thing. You know, your your head is part of your body and your brain. It's all there. So it needs to be seen as, as one, one thing. So, yeah, it's a big, big deal. But it's very interesting to me that after all this time, not one dentist ever said those words to me until now, which is amazing. And it's good. Uh, it's a sign as well that I think it's getting more empowerment behind them and being able to approach the topic and feeling able to start that conversation with a patient. It just shows how much the breaking down of stigma has come. It's got a long way to go, but it's moving at a nice, a nice speed, hopefully. Well, I think it's also, it's not, it's not a blame or it's not a fault of, or, or anything. It's just a very complicated picture. I mean, you might have a patient who's a child and the, they might not want to, their parent to know, but, you know, you've got all these um, kind of guidelines and parameters and things you have to work with. And so it's, it's a very complicated picture. So I absolutely have sympathy for, for a dentist in that position. I don't know how, what, what that's, I don't know how you get around it, but I hope that one day there will be definitely a barrier reduced in that, in that picture frame right there. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about this um, this research that you're you're pushing for because that's that's sparked my interest. Listening to you mention that, what what's that entailing? Yeah, well, I think um, I was on a call recently with um, I was involved in the um, rapid response for the AGP. You know the um, aerosol generated procedures during COVID. And there was a lot of people from all over the UK involved in these calls. Again, I was the patient representative on that. Um, so it was fascinating. And again, 
I was saying, I was putting in my, you know, two cents worth, so to speak, about there's people struggling right now with eating disorders that may need urgent oral care, but they can't have it because dentists aren't allowed to do um, aerosol generated procedures, which is, of course, you, you need. Um, so, and I kept saying, you know, where's the research supporting the, you know, the impact? Where is this research? And no one was ever able to say anything. So I've spoken to a couple of professors since then in the past couple of months, and we are going to look at, at starting something like that soon, hopefully. I can't say too much about it because I don't want anybody to pinch all my ideas. Yeah, of course. Um, but, um, but yeah, because it is so important and really there hasn't, there needs to be evidence-based clinical work there. So dentists know about it and what to do and all those outcomes to be presented. Um, so everybody's singing from the same hymn book because dentistry, like everything else, they all have different ways of doing things. You know, even if it's a, um, you know, if, you, if it's, if it's taking out some of a decay or doing a root canal, everybody has it, whether you use a rubber dam or not, everybody has a different method of doing things, right? So it's, it's about making it um, consistent and like this one perspective from a, from a clinical evidence-based, methodically done research. So this is what I'm interested in getting and doing with, with some people. So watch the space okay <laughs> I will I will I'm, I'm making a note of that to, to keep an eye out for that because it sounds really interesting I look yeah. forward to seeing what comes of that yeah me too me too so fingers crossed all all goes through we'll wait and see yeah. we'll wait and see you know what it's like you know what it's like at these trials getting fundings and everything in place so oh yes <laughs> <laughs> yes we'll, we'll wait and see <laughs> brilliant so if we can just circle back a little bit yeah. Using all of your experience and the knowledge that you have, um, what advice would you give to a dentist that suspects maybe their patient has an eating disorder or has a history of eating disorders in terms of approaching the topic and being able to be in a position to help the patient through the symptoms that they're having in like a sensitive manner if you could pass on any advice what would it be well I think I think you hit the nail on the head there it's about sensitivity and that discretion but also making the patient aware that you know and that they're in safe hands but you know oral health needs to be really taken care of because it's all part of of your your you if your oral health is neglected you can become unwell you know there's so many things can come come off that and it affects your mental health too having toothache and lack, lack of confidence with your smile and, and so on so I would say to all dentists that well and it needs to start the education level in their course it needs to be in there so they understand what they're looking for signs and symptoms and they also need to have that um, other CPD training in there from perhaps psychologists to how what happens when you ask a question how to deal with that, how to do it appropriately. But from my own perspective, as a lived experience person, I would say, ask the question with sensitivity, just say, look, sometimes, you know, people with these kind of problems that you've got, whatever it may be, it's because um, there's something going on with an eating disorder. But I would just ask the question because they, they'll know more than anybody what's going on in, in the mouth. And then hopefully the patient will 
understand that you're just trying to help them and you're also going to try and mitigate any further damage and erosion or whatever's going on in the mouth and they, you would give them good advice on how to maintain a, a healthy mouth so they don't end up with much further much huge problems further down the line because that will will and does happen so again that would be my advice to dentists but it definitely has to start back mm-hmm. in the beginning in the training um, when they're doing their dental degree that's for sure yeah I 100% agree with you there and I think that's yeah. good advice and approaching something with sensitivity is always yes, the best way to also, go also confident like knowing that it's in confidence but I think the tricky part and I can't advise on this would be how you deal with a a young person who's maybe only 12 and their mum or dad is sitting outside or their carer is sitting outside and you know how how does that because you can't you can't just say to that young person you would maybe need to make the parent aware or whoever's with that that child that's a tricky situation right there so that that is a big barrier because obviously over 16 is a, it's a lot different mm-hmm. a lot of damage may have already have happened by then too and it's about building a good relationship with that with that patient that they can trust you because if you can trust a dentist to look after your teeth and make sure you're okay and you're not going to be in pain with an injection or filling or whatever because there's a lot of fear with dentists um and it's the same consistent relationship with the dentist then it will be easier to have that that conversation too with Mm -hmm. the patient and they will trust you and that's one of the keys i think with everything is trust That was Tina there talking about her experiences with anorexia and how that affected her oral health. If you are listening and you want to know more about eating disorders or you want to access eating disorder support, please visit beateatingdisorders.org.uk or you can call their helpline which is open every day of the year on 0808 801 0677. For more information about National Smile Month, please follow us on social media at Smile Month and at Oral Health Foundation on Instagram. You can also follow at Dental Health Org on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like some dental health advice, please call our helpline. The helpline number is 017885397800. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of National Smile Month. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.